Can you remember what's the most difficult crowd you've ever performed for? There's quite a few there, uh, Shelby. So (laughs) for whatever reason, people just think comedians will figure it out. So we constantly are put in environments where they're like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if we're outside. It doesn't matter if we're on a train. People put you in promotion (laughs) ceremonies. They put you in receptions. They just pop up a comedian. Like folks are at a reception. And it was like, hey, why the couple are taking pictures? Funny Man Earl's going to entertain you for 40 minutes. <laughs> While <laughs> so, everybody's talking to one another. Doesn't matter that people are chewing their food and they're going to make <laughs> them choke and have to call the paramedics. Well, figure it out. They're trained in EMT. and Right. <laughs> we paid them a solid $50. They know what to do. He's done the high McManuva before. Somewhat anxious, always authentic. This is Real Life Loading. I'm your host, Shelby Abbott, and our desire with this podcast is to help guide you toward the life-changing power of Jesus for relationships in a constantly shifting culture. Well, if you've listened to previous episodes of Real Life Loading, you know that I did stand-up comedy for four years. So I'm familiar with the difficulties and the joys of telling jokes behind a microphone for a crowd of people. And today's guest is a new friend of mine, Mike Goodwin. He's a professional stand-up comedian, and he even made it to the big stage of America's Got Talent, where he secured four yeses from the judges, including the infamously grumpy Simon Cowell. He made it pretty far into that competition, but today we're going to talk about why humor is such an important part of the human experience, how joke-telling helped Mike deal with a difficult childhood, and what God has taught him through going to counseling. It's going to be a really fun time with Mike Goodwin. You and I met in very unique circumstances. We met on a cruise ship where I was working and you were performing, which means you were working. Uh, And then afterward, you traveled on Annie F. Downs's That Sounds Fun podcast tour for how long? Was that several months? No, we did about 20 dates, If I, but it's the second half of the tour. So we started back before COVID. We started like early 19 and then COVID asked us to stay at home for a little while. <laughs> asked we, us it, it <laughs> firmly demanded that yeah, we stay well, excuse home excuse me <laughs> that's nice nice language <laughs> excuse me uh, excuse me pardon me here. could you lock yourself up for about two years thank you so much that's great uh, we'll call you don't call us <laughs> <laughs> so you have a yeah a hiatus we'll put right, it that we took way a, took a sabbatical a sabbatical and then, and then we returned right and how, how many days did you do after that i think we did about yeah, at least 10 to 15, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, so what was it like to do stand-up comedy uh, on that tour for mostly <laughs> white women uh, in, a, in, a, in a place who came to go see a, <laughs> another person, not you? <laughs> How did that go? Was the crowd good or were they rough? Or, I mean, they were the crowd always that- good. There was a, a, white women like to laugh. Just let's go ahead and get that out there. <laughs> they do. The they do. White women they also are like have a good time. Uh, yeah, they they Wine, like coffee shops, laughter, too. and charcuterie. Like those three things. <laughs> 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 they like a good cheese and cured meat mixed with grapes. 
Well, I mean, obviously, you love to laugh. You love to bring laughter to people. You love to give laughs instead of, I'd say, get laughs. That's a Michael Jr. thing. Um, why do you think humor is such a valuable part of the human experience? Yeah, I think because it's that common expression, the same thing that makes you laugh makes you cry. So I think that humor is just pain with a little bit of distance in it, right? right. So yeah. some of the best stories that we tell as you get older were at that moment in time very sad or very embarrassing or very painful. And so humor gives us the ability to be able to reflect upon things and have a better perspective of it. It's like, oh man, at that moment, it really sucked. But when you're telling the story to people, it's probably one of the funniest things they've ever heard. So I've always thought the beauty of humor for me is like when you are watching a beautiful movie and it has all the emotions. You cry, you laugh, you get angry, you get excited. And humor is a thing that when we're children, people encourage it so much. But as you get older, they tell you how inappropriate it is. And so there's a, I think there's a little bit of, of a conflict there as you age. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about it that way. It's one of those things you have to work harder for as you get older. Yeah. Because even like when you're in high school, all of a sudden being funny at the right time is a good thing. But being funny at the wrong time is, is a tragic thing. And then that, that gets wired into us as we get older. And you, you're socialized to not be fun. Like everything's not a joke. Oh, why are you laughing? Or like it, people immediately, I, I can tell you the number of times I've heard over the course of my life because I've been comedic. And folks, oh, you think everything's a joke or, oh, you just see you just laugh your way through life. And I, I've done that. But. <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, will do. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Oh, you said, <laughs> oh, everything's funny to you, huh? And so I think the piece that we don't realize is there. And I say this often that humor is, is neutral. Mm -hmm. It's what you choose to do with humor. But as we get older, we have all the negative feelings related to humor when people picked on us, when we got roasted, when we were embarrassed. So you carry those with you into adulthood. So when people say comedy, you already have a negative image that comes to their mind. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never really processed things like that, the the negativity. Obviously, we've all experienced that in some form or fashion, like humor at the expense of myself right. creates that negative connotation in my mind and my heart. And so that you're already working when you get up on stage down 21 before you even start Before speaking. you, yeah, you're not even out of the locker room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, right, there's points on the board. I, I do, I often do, Sometimes folks will ask me to come speak to like middle school kids because that's when the roasting is heavy. And I've done some presentations. And I, the way I lead <laughs> when I talk to the middle schoolers, I say, you know, your teachers lie to you a lot, right? <laughs> the room's like, what? <laughs> what, they, what, is, what? what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Because this is what typically happens. There's some funny thing that takes place in class. Everyone laughs. And the first thing the teacher says, that's not funny. But the first thing the teacher does when they leave the class and see another adult is say, <laughs> like let me a... share with you the funniest <laughs> thing that just happened. So there's a mixed message yeah, yeah, of yeah. what humor is. And I tell the students, it's funny, but it's inappropriate. So you have to learn 
how to be appropriately funny in professional settings. That's amazing. That's so good. And I bet you you got them in the palm of your hand. Too. Oh, yeah. When you say your teachers are lying to you every day, they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. And even the teachers are like, why do we bring this guy in? <laughs> yeah. We, we hired this guy and gave him what, a microphone? What, what is happening? I, I come right out of the gate and I'll say, this happens all the time. And this is what this means. And so that's that's great. As you think about it, how have you seen humor utilized in powerful ways to kind of change perspectives and shape the narratives of different environments and circles that you've run in? So I've seen it in my own personal life. And I share it when I, I do a keynote called Leadership and Laughter. Mm-hmm. And I talk about the purpose of why I even do comedy. And the reason I knew I had the ability to say things that elicit laughter was because I grew up in a very difficult household. My parents were often fighting physically, verbally. And I remember a a moment in time and I was a little guy, I was like an eight-year-old guy. And so I remember kind of feeling helpless, feeling unable to stop my parents from arguing, to bring any type of resolution to this. It, It was chaotic in our house. And I remember after one of the episodes, my father ended up actually leaving the house, but he just went downtown or somewhere. But my mother went to prepare dinner, and I could just feel how tense the atmosphere was. My sister and brother and I were, you know, crying, asking them to stop fighting. Mm -hmm. And the way I process things, it doesn't take me long. Like, I don't sit in a bad place very long. Like, my mind just automatically finds the funny. So... In that moment, I said, I need to do something to make my mom laugh. I just had that thought. And then I did some funny little thing. I don't even exactly remember what it was, but my mother laughed. Mm. And it just broke the tension of that whole anxiety and the tension and the angst that was in the air. And I made a note to myself that, hey, whenever they argue again, you got to do your stuff. You learn that. Very early on as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was my coping mechanism to deal with a very difficult environment. Yeah. And no doubt you probably couldn't have put words to it as a little kid, but you're like, I brought healing to a situation that was wounded. Exactly. Still sorting that out? You want to have a counseling session right now? (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a great point. But I I did the work, right? So I, I went to counseling probably like right the summer before COVID hit. Hmm. And I'd had a lot of, you know, a lot of the trauma, but then what it sparked it was where I was in my profession. So at this point in my career, I was getting this most, the most recognition that I had been receiving. I was getting great opportunities. I was making great pay, but internally I wasn't well. And it wasn't a spiritual thing. It wasn't that I wasn't living well. I wasn't well. So I was faithful in my prayers, faithful in my, executing of my faith and my belief. So, you know, my my home life was fine. So it was nothing that was external. It was all what was happening on the inside of me. It was like a war Mm -hmm. raging. And one of the things I often um, compare it to, I felt like I had a nuclear reactor in my chest because I I grew up in that environment and it made me very angry. Mm. And I could get upset very fast. Like my pastor calls it a short fuse. He's like, some people... They have a real short fuse. And so 
you know, the Holy Spirit and, and the gifts of the Spirit gives you the ability to make your fuse longer. And in that moment, I recognized that, hey, I'm not happy. All the things that are happening around me are excellent things, but internally, I'm not satisfied. I'm not happy. I'm not at this place of contentment, right? And so I told my wife, I said, hey, man, I need to, I need to go talk to someone. Yeah. And the counselor did one of the best things I've ever seen. Like, she helped me unpack. And she basically explained that, like, there was a 12-year-old Michael Goodwin running around making decisions for modern-day Mike. So if we're in a car, a lot of times, emotionally, I had a 12-year-old at the wheel. Mm. And that 12-year-old wanted validation. He wanted acceptance. So I would be at a comedy show with, like, a big-name headliner, and somebody will come up to me and say, oh, I really enjoyed you. When are you going to have your show? And instead of hearing that as a compliment, I heard that as a dig of like, yeah, you're doing good, but you're not doing good enough. Like, you know, you're over here opening for these other guys. When are you going to do your own thing? You're not working hard enough. That's what I would hear. I would hear this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was all good. But when are you going to get your own tour bus? And when are you going to be the headliner? And instead of just, you know, me thinking and processing that, like, oh, yeah, they really enjoyed my set. I looked at it as I was insufficient and I, I wasn't enough. And so, yeah, when I went and did the work to unravel the trauma and the issues that I that I had prior to starting comedy in my childhood, and then even some of the things that has happened through the course of my life, it really caused me to have a great appreciation for what I bring to events and the ability to alleviate tension and stress. And as it relates to my faith, you know, I remember when you, you know, you're early on in your faith, someone can rattle my faith. You can't rattle my faith at this point. I have mm -hmm. too many experiences with God. Yeah. Like young people say now, I have the receipts <laughs> God, <laughs> yeah. from, from the things that God has done in my Been life. There. Yeah. Yeah. I have the receipts. So, there's been examples of things and I would normally be shaken. I'm like, oh, this is just like that other time when I was afraid yeah. and God saw me through that. And I think that is what I've learned. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm glad that you're able to kind of peel back the layers, help us to see what's going on personally with you. Yeah, no problem. And now it's time for three dots, three thoughts on real life floating. We'll get back to my time with Mike in just a second, but this is where I share three simple ideas that could potentially change your life. They probably won't, but they could. Thought one. For the best quality, basic clothing you can get on a budget, I'd recommend Uniqlo. They have all the classic basics you'll need, like t-shirts, jeans, and sweatshirts, but they also have a ton of fashion-forward stuff, too, if you want to live on the edge a bit and stand out from the crowd. Bottom line with Uniqlo, though, you get relatively well-made clothes for a relatively low price. Win-win, if you ask me. Thought two. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Unless there's a spider on their shoulder. Thought three. The challenges you face today are familiar to previous generations. Anxiety, control, relationship problems, insecurity, complicated friendships, patience, commitment, and so on. 
But all of those pressure points get turned on their head as we wrestle with them in the context of our current culture. Yes, there is nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says that. But your problems become more complex when filtered through today's lens. And I get it. It's tough. Things are unique today. But the solution to our trouble remains the same. Scripture says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's from Hebrews 13.8. Sure, you may have seen that verse cross-stitched onto a pillow at your grandmother's house. But that doesn't change the fact that it is enormously significant for us today. Yesterday, today, forever on into the future, Jesus has been and always will be the immovable, unshakable constant on which we rely. The good news of his perfect life, his sacrificial death on our behalf, and his ultimate victory over death is still 100% relevant to the issues we all deal with every day in our fast-paced culture. The gospel is the only true solution to our struggles, regardless of the pressures you may be facing. Lean into that and let it carry you through whatever you may be dealing with or going through right now. And pray that God would meet you as you trust him. This has been Three Dots, Three Thoughts on Real Life Loading. Now let's get back to my conversation with comedian Mike Goodwin. Is there a place for joke telling during a sermon? What's the importance of serving others, being honest, and living in community? Well, Mike and I are going to talk about all that and a whole lot more. So let's hop back into it. In a sense, the the church culture has had this kind of weird love-hate relationship with humor. There's this uh, kind of this is church and there's no no time for fooling around kind of mentality that at least I remember when I went to church as a kid at military based chapels at least and then <laughs> then which is different you know but then Very there's different. more of a modern take on sermon giving where like there's kind of a stand-up comedy set woven into the sermon where they're telling, jokes after jokes after jokes for the last, you know, I don't know, 20 years or so. Um, So do you think that humor or joke telling has a place on Sunday services or teaching? And if you were a pastor, how would you take advantage of that, if at all? Yeah, I I really do, because I think that humor, much similar to storytelling, is a way to elicit access to someone's heart as opposed to their head. It's good. Like when we're talking about academic things and even sometimes scripture, if I'm not a believer and if my heart's not open to the word, I'm logically receiving this information, right? I'm just Mm -hmm. hearing it and I'm trying to see logically does this process with my belief system. It's a head thing. Humor goes right to the heart. Like you bypass the head to some degree because you have to understand the joke but there's something about humor that can get right to the heart yeah and people are open you know that's why you can have really tough conversations through comedy so i think that for me i know that it has a place in the the message because the message should be engaging and it should be something that speaks to my head and my heart it should speak to my soul. It should give me hope. 
encouragement, rebuke, correction. Like it should have all of those things. But I think comedy is like the Metro pass to get you yeah. there quicker. It's the TSA yeah. of messages. Like, so if you don't have it in there, you can get on the plane, but it's going to take a little longer. <laughs> And people are not going to have a great experience. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. You have to take the shoes off. You know? <laughs> like, like, you don't want to take the shoes off. I want TSA pre <laughs> Yeah, man. Comedy keeps yeah. your shoes on. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good metaphor. So in many ways, comedians use their weaknesses in life, whether it be hard times or physical ailments or sometimes in your case, marginalization, uh, suffering harness the pain and refocus it as a means to bring about laughter and joy into people's lives. So most people aren't going to be uh, a stand-up comic. <laughs> Not right, a lot of right, people right. out there are going to choose <laughs> that one. Right. But do me a favor, talk to the young person who's listening and help them see that the thing that might, you know, they look at themselves and they might hate it about themselves, about their own life. Help them understand that that could be the very thing God uses to bring about great joy one day, not only for them, but for others. Can you encourage that person right now? Oh, definitely. I, definitely. And I would encourage every young person to just be transparent with themselves about how you feel. Because a lot of times it's easy for us to deflect and, and say that, oh, that's not that big a deal. And when it really is. And the quicker that you can reconcile that with yourself, you can begin to be authentic to others. But if you're continuously telling yourself, I'm not good enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not strong enough, whatever the case may be, none of us are. <laughs> That's the wild part of yeah. all of this. <laughs> no one is. So join the crowd. Like, hey, man, there's, there's a whole seat for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know who told us that we were all these things and we should be all these things. We aren't. And that's why we are a body and we need to be connected with others. And we should not operate in an island, isolated. And so community needs all the parts. A community just is not an assembly of one type of part. We need all the parts. So I would encourage you to be your unique self because no one else can be you. And if you're not sharing who you are, we're not receiving from you the thing that God has uniquely crafted you to give. So if you're holding that, you're not going to bless others. I realized a long time ago, take the emphasis off of you and put it on the people that you're serving. Like if you're doing a presentation, don't think about, oh, they're going to think about the way that I, I don't communicate effectively. They're going to say something about my accent. Oh, they're going to think my hair is weird. Don't think about that. Think about what information can I share that will help this audience be better? What can I share that I've learned that will help them move to a place that they were not at before? What can I give to them that they will readily receive? And so when you take the emphasis off of you and you put it on to the folks that you are to be serving, it's easier to make that transition. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's a better way to live. It's just a better way to live. If you're not constantly obsessed with yourself, <laughs> like it's- I'm at a place in life where I'm like looking to try to pay for somebody's groceries now. Like yeah. I'm in the grocery store like, oh, let me pay for Like this happened the other day. The woman, 
uh, in front of me said, oh, you can go ahead. And she had like a bigger buggy and I had like a couple of items. Mm-hmm. She said, you can go in front of me. I was like, thank you. And I went and I was like, I got hers too. And, the, and they were like, no, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. thank you. I, I want to bless you. You blessed me. I want to bless you. That's incredible. Versus me standing behind her, looking Tapping at all her items. Yeah, oh, yeah. my goodness. I'm She's paying with up. a check. What in the world? <laughs> check. See, what is coupons? this, 1993? <laughs> Who has coupons? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And as... Uh, it's not just, you know, money. You can give right. of your time. You can give time as you do of your, of your humor. You can give, uh, you know, by listening. You can give by paying attention. You can give by serving, you know. Shelby, I did this one time. I was sitting in my car and I wasn't feeling great. I was like, oh, I'm kind of down in the dumps, you know, so to speak. And I just went through my text messages and were texting people that I knew like, man, you're an awesome dude. Hope you have a wonderful day. And I after you sent out about four or five of those, folks then return those messages. Man, you're a great father. You're, you're a great friend. So, like, if there's something that you're missing, give that away until you don't need it anymore. And for me, it was a, like a male influence, when a, a positive male influence. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted, like, a big brother or older gentleman to kind of mentor me. And what I did was went and became a mentor for other young guys. And then I looked up one day and I had filled that hole that I used to long for. So, yeah, I think that as young folks, the quicker you can understand taking the spotlight off of you and put it on others. It's like that the scripture where it says you don't muzzle the oxen while they tread the wheat. Like mm-hmm. you're going to be blessed by the work that you're doing, you know, so let's not muzzle the oxen. Yeah. Let them and again, enjoy not- the, good, the fruits. Yeah. And again, not, not for transactional purposes. And I know you're not saying that like, Hey, if I do good, then it'll come back to me. That's called karma. We don't, right, we don't believe right. in that. <laughs> All right. Well, you talked about being in the context of community. Um, and we talk about family a lot, uh, yeah. in general, but when it comes to the family of God, the church, the body of believers around you, how has the family of God been a life giving anchor for you? Oh, I have so many individuals that serve as sounding boards, you know, folks that I'm submitted to that. I I remember having a conversation with a a pretty famous comic and they were saying that the reason a lot of celebrities kind of lose their mind is we were not created to be worshiped. And one of the best ways to eliminate that is just to be a person of service. So Mm. me, I'm connected to a church and I often find it interesting that we have a lot of like Christian free agents out here, like folks are out here doing things, but they don't have a base. They don't have a place where they serve and they're connected and their folks can call them on stuff and say, Hey man, uh, I saw this post and I'm a little concerned, you know, yeah. and it's not just some random person on the internet. Cause those people don't mind telling you that you're yeah, like, yeah, spiritually yeah. off they base. Got, I just, yeah, they got plenty I of I just opinions. had a situation right. <laughs> with like, Sir, I don't know you. What are you? <laughs> Repent. <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> yeah. But so I've real, I have real true and even social media. I don't use social media to vent or to process. I use friends and people that I walk with in the faith. And so, man, I, I would not be where I am without the community of believers that walk 
with me. Yeah, that's good. Well, bro, thanks for your time today. It was so good to connect with you again, talk and laugh. I I always enjoy being with someone who laughs not only at me, but with me. Right, right. And you're great at both. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. This This has been a fun conversation. Mike is so great. You can see more of his story related to America's Got Talent if you type his name into YouTube. It's Mike Goodwin. Or you can find him on his social channels at Bowtie Comedy. If this episode with Mike Goodwin was helpful for you, I'd love for you to share today's podcast with a friend. And wherever you get your podcasts, it could really advance what we're doing with Real Life Loading if you'd rate and review us. Did my voice squeak in that? And it's phenomenally easy to find us on our social channels. Just search for Real Life Loading or look for our links in the show notes. I want to thank everyone who's on the Real Life Loading team. Josh, Bruce, Caitlin, and Jarrett. I'm Shelby Abbott. I'll see you back next time on Real Life Loading. Real Life Loading is a production of Family Life, a crew ministry, helping you pursue the relationships that matter most. Puberty's hard.